here this man comes. He's unlike any other man that I've seen before. As I stand there and I watch him come, I hear him start to talk to me. And here he comes, and this is the man that John was talking about. He's not like the other men who have come before him. He's radically different. He walks by the seas, and at his voice, just people follow him. Young boys following him, leaving their fathers and their mothers and following this man to learn from him. Young men jumping overboard out of the boat into the water to swim to shore to just follow this man, to learn from him, to grow under him. Brothers leaving their family to follow this man. I still remember that day so vividly. The day where it all changed for me. You see, this man, he would go and he would, he would just begin to teach. After meeting this man, after beginning to follow this man, he would instantly go and he would instantly begin to teach. And crowds would begin to form and people would come to be healed. People would come to learn who this man was and to hear his voice. He would call demons to be cast out. He would cause lame people to stand up and to walk. He would cause deaf people and mute people to hear and to speak. Everybody was desiring to be healed. And I still remember the time where he healed my mother-in-law even. I remember that day so vividly. See, he did all these things to not only just my amazement, but everybody else's as well. And I remember going to bed just thinking to myself, who is this man and what in the world have I gotten myself into? <clears throat> and waking up the next morning, I, I go to where he was sleeping and he's not there. He must have gotten up pretty early this morning and we can't find him anywhere. We, we looked everywhere he would be in the house. And so we started to look all around, and, and finally we find him. And he's alone, isolated, quiet, in prayer. He's by himself praying. After everything he just did yesterday, after everything that this man is capable of, after everything that everybody saw, he is praying by himself. Does he not understand what he just did? Does he not understand that people are waiting for him to come and to do more healings? Does he not understand that there's more to be done here, that, that he can't just be off by himself? Does he not understand that people are dying to meet him, to be healed by his touch and his words? Does he just not get it? And I remember sharing that with him, like, Jesus, everybody is looking for you, and I mean everybody. What are you doing? And he quietly got up with that little smirk on his face that he always had. And he said, yeah, I know, but we have to leave. We have to go somewhere, somewhere else. So we left. See, this is a simple story, really. A story that's found in Mark 1. This is a story of, of Jesus. 
And what's so intriguing about this story is simple is that it's a simple story and encounter that the disciples had with Jesus. It's a simple moment, but it shows us so much. We can see that Jesus values the presence of, of God the Father more than the fame and the success. Jesus valued being filled with the Spirit, filled with, with God, more than he did the applause and the accolades of the crowd. Jesus valued what was countercultural, what, what was so radically different than the world would see. And it leads me to a simple question, not just for, for you, but for me, for all of us. What do we value? What do we value at the highest level in our lives? Because it's very, very clear what Jesus values. Mark 1, this is what it says, verses, uh, just verse 35. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. I've read this story multiple, multiple times before. I've dug into it multiple times before. But here's something that stuck out maybe this past time. Who or what was Jesus praying for that morning? He comes literally off the cusp of the day before, healing many people, seeing tons of people come to see who he is. He goes to bed, he wakes up the next morning, and he leaves while it's still dark out, and he goes and prays. What is Jesus praying for that morning? Or maybe it's a who is Jesus praying for that morning? See, Jesus values prayer so much because he knew that the, pre the pressure and the busyness in life should always push us towards prayer and not away from it. Why? Because at the end of the day, there's incredible power. There's incredible power in a regular rhythm of prayer. There's incredible power in a regular rhythm of prayer. And what's fascinating to me is this, is that Jesus in, in all of his flesh and bones and blood here on this earth is still fully God, but yet fully man, right? And as God, Jesus is prayed to. We pray to God. We pray to Jesus, God, and we pray to him. But as a man, Jesus, fully flesh and blood and bones, took time to pray himself. And here's what I love about that, though. Jesus didn't make prayer hard or complicated because he understood for people like me who just don't get it and are stubborn, don't make it complicated. And here's the beauty of it. Zach preached last week and he talked about the Lord's Prayer. And here's the, the absolute beauty of the Lord's Prayer. It's 66 words. It's not complicated. It's not even long. Did you know on average we talk around 16,000 words a day? Some of us have gusts upwards of 45,000. I'm one of those who push the 45. <laughs> but yet, how often do we have this conversation with other people, especially within the church? Ah, you know what? I'm just so busy. I don't have time to... Ouch. 
We spend our lives and we talk 16,000 words a day, but yet we find it too difficult to speak 66 additional words that could radically shift and change our perspective in life. Can we put that into perspective for a minute? Martin Luther, I remember having this conversation with um, my, my counselor, and I remember talking to him, and I was just offloading literally a whole bunch of just junk. And he asked me, with a smile on his face, he asked me, and he was like, Kyle, how, how long have you been spending time in prayer with all that? And guiltily, I said, you know what? Like, probably not as much time as I should. And he shared this quote. He said, Martin Luther said it best this way, that I have so much to accomplish today, so much to do today, that I shall spend the first three hours of my day in prayer. I have so much to do today. My list is so long. The burdens are so heavy. The weight is excruciating. I have so much to do today that I shall spend the first three hours of it in prayer. What if Jesus understood the importance of prayer to the point that he knew that in order to accomplish anything in his day, he had to spend and accomplish the first X amount of time in prayer? What if he understood that prayer was so pivotal to his life, to the ministry, and to just overall his relationship with the Father, that the first thing he had to do was not check off any boxes, but rather wake up and spend the first X amount of time in prayer? And what if it's not about time? What if it's, I have to wake up and spend time with my Father? In order to accomplish anything today, I need to spend time with my Father. You see, this series that we're concluding today is all about being a house of prayer. And, and this series for me has just been core shaking. Because I just truly, truly know that God is doing something. He's stirring, he's moving, he's doing something. And I truly believe that this is a groundwork, a foundation of what he's about to do. But our church's prayer life, the prayer life of us as a collective church, is only as healthy as us individually, prayer life as well. The church's prayer life is not dependent upon just the top three to five prayers in the church. We are called to be a house of prayer, all of us. But we live in the tension that we are living in the most distracted age ever. Amen? Amen? We live in the most distracted age ever. For example, um, how many of you guys have one of these on you today? Smart. Um, on average, on average, according to a recent study, we check our phone roughly 96 times a day. That's on average. If you're a teenager, I bet you that thing triples. Just saying. What's also intriguing to me is this is uh, just this morning, right before service starts, it's like clockwork. I get a notification on my watch and on my phone, and it tells me how much time I spent on my screen. It's annoying. 
I'm like, I don't want to know that information. I got it. I got it today. My screen time was up 10% from last week. My screen time was up 10% from last week. I'd be very intrigued if I got a spiritual alarm or a spiritual indicator of how much time I spent this past week in prayer. Would my prayer time be up 10% this past week compared to last week? Would it be about equal? If I had a really hard week, would my prayer time have exponentially grown or would I have just tried to go at it alone? I get the alarm on my phone of how much screen time. I, I wonder, though, what about my internal prayer alarm? How's that look? Because if we believe that our prayer life matters, if we say it and if we mean it, if we believe our prayer life matters, where does it rank in our priorities in our life every single day? You see, because for Jesus, prayer was a regular rhythm. There's really nothing Jesus did that he didn't go to the Father first in prayer. Prayer was a regular rhythm. It was a regular rhythm for him to enter into the temple and have a regular prayer time with prayer time there. It was a regular rhythm for him to isolate himself and go to God the Father in prayer time. That, even before Jesus' death, John 17, go on and read. It's an incredible, incredible passage where Jesus goes to the garden. And, and what does he do? He leaves the 12 and then he brings the three and he leaves those three. And then he goes off isolated, alone with the Father in prayer. And here's what's so beautiful about that. I was reading that this morning once again. And, and in the garden, Jesus isn't praying like, you know, all this stuff about him. It's not about me, 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 me. But rather he's, he's sitting there in the presence of the Father Pouring his heart out of, God, this is your will. God, I submit to you. God, would you unify my church? Would you unify my people? God, would you send your spirit? God, would you? He's pleading, interceding on our behalf in the garden. A regular rhythm of prayer. How many times do we see Jesus leave the masses to go to God the Father in prayer? Why? Because there's incredible power in a regular rhythm of prayer in our lives. There's incredible power in it. When you read the story found in Mark here, we have to understand, we have to remember that Jesus does ministry. He heals, he's casting out demons, he's doing these incredible, amazing things. And then he goes and he prays. And when he's done praying, when he's done with that time, he gets up and he says, we have to go to another city to do more ministry. Verses 36 through 39, this is what happens next. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking at for you. Everyone's looking for you, Jesus. Where you been, bro? And here Jesus is. Let's go somewhere else, to the nearby village, so I can preach there also, because that is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, driving out demons. It's incredible to me that we, we can almost hear echoes of Mary and Martha in the tone of Simon's voice here. Right? Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Where are you? What are you doing out here alone? 
Do you not understand you are bigger than the Beatles right now? And what does he say? I've chosen the better thing. I've chosen to be with my father in prayer. Jesus is choosing the better thing. He's not choosing the fame and the applause and the accolades of the crowd. He's choosing the intimate, the personal, deep relationship with the Father. Jesus is choosing the better thing, the presence of the Father in prayer, rather than the masses. I love that Jesus wasn't distracted by success. He wasn't distracted by having an effective ministry. He wasn't distracted by the healings or the teachings or the big crowds, but rather he stayed on mission through his regular rhythms of prayer. For me personally, that that statement resonates so deeply. For someone who is driven by success, driven by accomplishments, driven for wanting to be seen as accomplished and worthy and valued, Jesus, I, I get to follow a God that wasn't persuaded or manipulated by success, but rather was driven to his knees in prayer each and every day. And that's what I get to model my life after. Jesus' life was full of prayer and presence of the Spirit. It's this ongoing, personal, deep relationship. It's not just a one-and-done moment. It's an ongoing relationship. One uh, commentary put it this way, it's almost as not praying is like going up to the marriage altar, saying your vows, and then never saying anything the rest of your married life. Not praying is like going up to the marriage altar, saying your vows, and then never saying another word the rest of your marriage. We, we desire to have a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus, right? So how do we expect that relationship to grow if we never take time to have community and communion with him? How do we expect that relationship to grow if we never take the moments to just sit in his presence, to just pause and listen, to reflect, to ask, and then to say, God, whatever your will is, I'm, I'm submitting to it. I, I know that God truly wants to hear from us. He wants to hear from our hearts. Absolutely, he knows already what's on our hearts, but he desires his children, us, to take moments where we just simply come before him and we get to pour it out before him. We get to have a deep personal moment with him where we get to just absolutely pour out our love and affection for him. A lot of times we talk how Jesus, you know, died for us. But John Mark Comer would not only just say that, yes, Jesus died for us, but he also lived for us. He lived so that we would know him. He lived so that we would be able to be with him. As I was preparing for this message this weekend, I was sitting at my teaching team on Tuesday morning, and one of the other pastors shared a story. And it's so fitting for us today. So I absolutely stole, stole it. And it's the story of a guy named Dwight L. Moody. Anybody ever heard of him? So Dwight L. Moody um, was known 
by some of his closest friends and even family members and those who knew him really well, as he would carry around a list in his pocket. It'd be a simple list. It was a list of a hundred names. And what he would do with that list is every day, he would pray over it. These 100 names. He would constantly intercede and ask on their behalf, seeking and knocking on the door that they would come to know Jesus. He took time one day to sit and write down a list of 100 people in his life that didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And then he spent his life praying for them. On the day of his funeral, tons of people gathered. And one of his closest buddies or family members, they, they discovered the list. And as you can imagine, this list is probably ratted up, probably torn and worn a little bit. But as they unfolded the list and as they looked at it, they saw these hundred names and 96 of them were crossed off. 96 people came to know Jesus. 96 people who he prayed personally for by name daily came to know their Savior. That's incredible. 96 people. And that's an incredible story. That's an incredible moment. But what if that's not the end? Again, a guy who's driven by accomplishments, I don't want to leave four things not checked. And so they discover these 96 names, and then there's these four people, and they go through the whole entire funeral. And and at the end of the funeral, he, he desired to have a salvation message. Those four people were present that day at the funeral. And those four people took the step of faith to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ at his funeral. His whole list, 100 names, 100 people crossed off. Why? Because there's incredible power in a regular rhythm of prayer in our life. Prayer isn't a tool to get what we want. Prayer is not a tool. It's not like the special magic coin for the vending machine God that if I pray enough, I'll turn it enough and out will pop what I desire. Prayer isn't a tool even to just grow the church. Prayer isn't a tool to just get more people in these doors. Prayer is not that. Here's what prayer is. Prayer is the intimate relationship, the intimate time and companionship that we get to spend with God the Father. The chance we get to sit in his presence and have communion with him, relationship with him. One of the things that's been deeply, deeply on my heart lately is this. Is this baptism tank?
Because there's people in my life. There's people in my life who I know are waiting to take this step. Waiting for the right moment. (laughs) Waiting for the right opportunity. Waiting for the right water temperature. Waiting for the right fill in the blank. There's people in my life who have openly said to me, God, Kyle, I, I, need to, I need to get baptized. And then my next exact question is, what's stopping you? Nothing, nothing. I just haven't done it. But there's also people in my life that I know of that are still questioning and seeking the God who can save. There's people in my life who don't have a relationship with Jesus. There's people in my life who have never taken that step of faith. And I pray over them. I I pray for them. This has been on my heart. This tank. Because there's people in our church, in these seats, watching online, who have wrestled and wrestled and wrestled as God has poked and pushed them to take this step and they have said, ah, it's just not the right time. Ah, it's not the right moment. The water's too cold. Do you know there's snow outside, Kyle? I didn't bring extra clothes. I get it. I get it. But if we go an extended period of time with nobody getting in this tank and in this water and getting baptized, if we go an extended period of time with nobody taking that step of faith and coming to know Jesus, if we go an extended period of time without those things happening, we fail. We're called to be the salt and the light. We're called to be beacons of his hope, his love, his grace and mercy to this community. And that means we get to invite people in all of their mess to join us here. And we get to pray with them and for them that they would take these steps. Because these steps matter. And so as we close today, as, as we reflect, I want to set I want to set this up for us. Because I don't want to go an extended period of time without anybody getting in this tank. I don't want to go an extended period of time with nobody taking that step of faith. I don't want to lose sight that this matters. And this always will matter. And I want to be very clear about this. This is not about a number for me. It never will be and it never has been. This is about eternity. Because I can't believe that there are people that I know in my life that I won't get to see for eternity when I die. And that hurts. This is not about a number. Forget numbers. This is about eternity with the creator of all things, the God of all gods, the Lord of all lords, the King of kings. This is about eternity. 
And I don't want to lose sight of that. I don't ever want to lose sight of that. And so when you walked in, when you sat down, there's a, there's a little card on your chair. I want you to pick it up. And here's what I want to invite you to do. I want you to begin to ask God who he is placing on your heart right now to pray that they would take the step of baptism over this next year. To pray that they would take the step of faith over this next year. Maybe there's someone in your life that you know has has already declared Jesus as their Lord, but they have yet to make the public declaration. Would you write their name down on that card? And here's what you're going to do with it. You're actually going to take the card, fold it in half, and you're going to rip it in half. So go on and do that for me. You're going to take it. You can fold it hot dog, hamburger style. I don't really care. And you're just going to rip it in half. So now you have two pieces. And I want you to write that name on both of these pieces. Who is God calling you to pray for? to take this step of faith, to jump in this tub, to take the step of faith of being saved. Over these next two songs, I want to invite you to pray for that name. You can, you can pray through singing. You can pray through just sitting and being still before God. You can pray through just absolutely asking God to clear your mind and let his his voice be heard. Now I want you to hold on to that paper and I'll tell you what to do at the end. But I also know I also know that there's a good chance possibly that there's somebody here today who has yet to take that step. There's probably a chance that there's people watching online, there's people in these seats today that God has been poking and moving you to take this step of faith, to get into the the water and get baptized today. And if that's you, I would love to have a conversation and pray with you in the back. Or maybe today you've come here and you've been asking questions about who this Jesus guy is. Maybe you've come here today and you've just felt like there's no hope. That the world is dark and there's no way, there's no way anything good can be in this world. I'd love to tell you about my Jesus. The God who came from heaven here on earth, lived and then died for my sin and your sin, and rose again so that we could be with him in eternity. I'd love to tell you about my Jesus. And I'd love to have you take that step of faith today. Maybe you're joining us online. You're not excluded from this invitation. Maybe today is the day that you also are feeling God is calling you to be baptized. Please drop us a message, drop us a comment, and we will, we will do everything in our power to make sure that when you join us here in person, you will be baptized and we get to celebrate together. Or maybe you're joining us online and today's that day for you to put your faith and hope in Jesus Christ. I'd love the opportunity to do that with you. This matters. And it always will for us.
So during this next song, I want to invite you to take moments, just a moment, to ask God, who is that name that you're calling me to write down? And to pray over that name. Because as a church, we want to have a regular rhythm of prayer. And, and personally, personally, we get the chance to go to God, the creator of all things, and sit in his presence and just pour out our, our heart to him and say, God, what are you doing? And where's my part? And the best part about it is this. When we go to him in prayer, it's not on us for making the results happen. That's his issue. He's the one who does the work. We just get to play a part and submit before him people in our lives who we've had the blessing of coming in contact with. And he gets to do the work. He gets to do the work. See, Dwight Moody, when he died, it wasn't on him to make sure that those people knew Jesus. It was on him to be able to pray for them. It was on him to be able to love on them like Jesus loves. And we get that same invitation today. And so I'm going to close this in prayer. And we're going to sing a few more songs. And like I said, I want to invite you to sit in the moment of prayer. The moment where you just sit before God and ask him who who needs, who you get to intercede on their behalf for today. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we come before you. We come before you knowing that we are broken, we are lost, and we are in need of a beautiful, perfect Savior. And we come before you knowing that you are the one who saves. You are not just perfection, Lord, but perfection is even perfected in your presence. And God, we come to you knowing that you are the one who can take our, our great mess and make greatness out of it. We are the one, you are the one who, who we get to come to and just have an intimate, deep relationship with because you desire it at your core. And so, Father, I ask that you would stir in our hearts and our spirits today. Father, I ask that if there's somebody here today that is, that is wrestling with the decision to step in this tank and get baptized today, Lord, that you would make a clear way, a clear path that that would happen today, Lord. That they would not leave without making that decision and taking that step of faith today. And if there's somebody here today watching online or in, in their physical presence right here, right now, that is seeking to to place their faith and their trust in you, Lord, that they would take that step today. And maybe for some of us, it's a recommitment, a recommitment of, of what it means to follow you and put our faith and our hope and our trust in you. Lord, I pray that you would move in dynamic ways that only you can do. Because God, you are the God who can do the impossible. And we ask that right now, right here today, that we would see a move of you, a swift move, and that you would encounter us right here in this moment. And we'd have an authentic experience with you. And so, Father, I ask that you would just continue to speak to us in these moments as we worship, as we pray.
Would you continue to speak to us right here, right now? Amen.